Welcome back, nitty gritty listeners, friends, family, loved ones, to our podcast today. <laughs> it's so hard to think of like how to start these things every week. I know. You know, like, like you try to do it different, intro. but it's all the same. So you might as well just say yeah. the same thing, but then it gets w- boring. <laughs> There's a show I love. You, you have to almost be a hockey player. It's called Letter Kenny. If you haven't watched it on Hulu, it's hilarious, but there's a... There's a saying that says, pitter-patter, let's get at her. I was like, that would be a really funny way to open up a podcast. Like, pitter-patter, let's get at her. Let's do it every time. Yeah. <laughs> but no, we sat down today with author, speaker, financial advisor, brilliant. I almost call it, I think he's a philosopher artist. in a sense. Yeah. An artist. artist. That's a good word. Like Carl Richards. Carl Richards is his name. He has been writing a column in the New York Times for, he does a million other things, but I think that's like, when you hear that, it, it immediately kind of uh, demands respect. A weekly column for like 10 years. And he still suffers from imposter syndrome, which, you know, it I wanted to break It fascinating to hear, it, hear him, yeah. that, that he gave it an actual like person, like his, his imposter syndrome is Mr. <laughs> Burns from The Simpsons. I wrote that down, personify your uh, so I wrote down personify your demon. Yeah. Because that kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. But yeah, Mr. Burns is his his imposter syndrome personified. And it was funny because as he started talking about it, he really looked over his shoulder. Like, he looked over his shoulder the first time and I thought I was like, what is he looking at? I know at? At first I was like, is he is he does he have to go? That's so funny. And then he explained that that's every Thursday morning, that's his deadline. So he has such a cool way of looking at life and his his philosophy on life is have really something ready to like take notes because he's got so many good Quote. one-liners and quotes and analogies like this coming from like the quote nerd yeah i mean i i think you're a quote encyclopedia sure not but a nerd i but yeah so much so many good things that you can take from this nice compounds yeah but i'm not going to give up the other nice one because there's another nice quote i want to see if you write it down share it in the comments if you do because it's Good advice for all things, financial, marriage, everything, right? Road yep. rage. Yeah, all the stuff. <laughs> but yeah, so Carl Richards Behavior Gap is like Dot com. his business. That's where you'll find him on social media. Um, but yeah, make sure you check him out. He is amazing. He's got a podcast and it's super cool. It's like- Two to 12 minutes, he said. Super short. Every day. And Behavior Gap Radio. But he just, you'll like how this guy's brain works. It's different. It's and you'll want to listen to him every day. Yeah, because I'm he, going to. He takes different topics and he just breaks them down real quick for you. I'm going to. And then we need you to subscribe and share and tell your friends. We love you guys. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome to this week's episode of Nitty Gritty. I'm excited. This will be a fun one. You've actually been on my mental checklist to get in here. Mm. And then it just happened that we were in the same place a couple weeks ago in Park City. Yeah. So Carl Richards, author, speaker, um, I just lost it. Desert camper, tortoise walker. Tortoise walker. <laughs> manifesty. Manifesty. <laughs> no manifesting here. That's All fair. of the above. <laughs> Skeptical barbecue. Yeah. Connoisseur. Judgmental. <laughs> 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 very judgmental of Utah County barbecue people. That's right. Yeah. For sure. He'll so, learn. But thank you for coming out. I'm excited to kind of yeah. talk all sorts of stuff because your first book, so Behavior Gap was super impactful. It's like one of my first books I read, not not like in the financial planning world, 
to kind of open up into a whole different world that was inside of financial planning, but we don't want to go down that path. Um, but I do want to talk about you a little bit on how you started writing. Cause that, that's a fun story yeah. on like how, how the New York times came to be. And so like, we'll just kind of jump, like, how did you, like, when did you first start writing? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, so, I mean, it, it maybe is helpful to go back just a teeny bit. I, I was uh, I was an undeclared major at the finest uh, football university in the state, the University of Utah. <laughs> and I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. What do you think? That's a joke? No, this, year okay. <laughs> yeah, this year it is. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out what I was going to do. And I came home. My wife, We had just recently been married. My wife had a degree in finance and she was had a job. And I came home one day and she had opened the... Help wanted. I don't know if you remember that section of the newspaper, the big fold out section of the help wanted section. And I was like, "What do you? What did you find?" And she found what we both thought was a a, a security guard job. We thought it was something to do with security. Okay. And I was like, and people could tell if this is on video. Like, I'm uniquely qualified to be like a mall <laughs> cop or a bouncer or whatever. So I was like, "This will be great. I can work at night, like the graveyard shift, and still go to f- school full time." So I went to apply, and I got. Um, halfway through the interview and they hadn't asked me anything about Kung Fu or self-defense. <laughs> and I was like, what is this? And I made it through the interview. I found out later that the ad actually said securities, not security. And I didn't know, I, like, I didn't know the difference. <laughs> it's just an S. Yeah, I was I didn't know the difference. So I made it through the interview, which tells you a little bit about the applicant pool <laughs> that, that day, right? And they come out and there was two of us left and they said to the other guy, like, hey, Carl, I'm sorry, we only have one position. We're going to offer it to him. And this was a, an actual quote. He looked at me and said, hey, man, I don't want the job. You take it. So that was sort of my like <laughs> triumphant entrance into the financial planning industry. And I was at, so at Fidelity Investments Big Call Center in Salt Lake back then. And, um, and so that, that's how I got into the industry. And then one thing led to another. And I ended up at one of the big brokerage firms, which will go unnamed, but has a bull as its symbol and is owned by a bank. And <laughs> I, I was there sitting at across the table from clients and trying to explain really important concepts like and i can remember the first one they were trying to make a a decision and there was a concept that i thought was really important for them to understand in order to decide make this decision and she she was a um, technology sales rep and he was an emergency room doctor so super smart really successful people and i was just getting blank stares which i knew they were smart so i knew like it was my problem so i i out of an act of desperation there was a whiteboard in the conference room that nobody ever used, but I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, no, like this. And I stood up and drew just a couple little, I think it's probably like a square and some arrows and a circle or something. Like, no, it's like this. And they said, oh, I get it now. And I remember that feeling like, whoa, we just took something sort of, you know, that felt really complex to them. That you might've been spending the last... 15 or 20 minutes trying to explain and yeah. kind of getting the blank stares. Yeah. And then made it simple. Yeah. It was a simple visual. And so, so then I was like, gosh, I could do that. I did that with the next clients. And then one of them left. Oh, I did it on a piece of paper. And one of them said, Hey, can I take that? And I was like, no, I can redraw. And they're like, no, I want that one. Like I want, so they took it. I was like, oh, that's interesting. Seeing it leaving the office was interesting. And then a couple months later, somebody called after the meeting. Why was that interesting to you? I don't know. I didn't make, look, I, look, I'm really, really clear that people who have 
like things that work out in their lives often make up really cute stories with the benefit of hindsight about yeah. the narrative. I'm not making up a cute story here. I have no clue why it was interesting. I just remember thinking, oh, that like that moment why, stood out to you. Yeah, why did they take that? That's really and why did they not want me to redraw it? Yeah, like, that actually informs a lot of the work we do today. Is like we we try to leave the rawness in there, and I've tried to change that a couple times. And every time people get so upset, like no, 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 we want the <laughs> the blame one. Yeah, right. So. They left, and then a couple months later, somebody called after the meeting and said, you know that thing you put on the whiteboard, could you draw it? And I, th- I think it was probably fax it to me or whatever. Like, could you, could you, could you scan it? And he, could you scan it? Could you send it via courier pigeon over to me? Like, it was, like, I think it was scan it and email it. And when I saw it digitally and, like, go out, I remember that moment, too. Like, oh, I could share this with more people than just, one like I don't know why but so I started the website at that point and just every time I'd get a question more than once from clients or prospective clients or anybody friends I would take the question if it was more than once it's like okay I'm going to write out my answer and I'll try to create a small image with it so the writing became the the image became the um either the shortcut or the souvenir so either the shortcut of the idea or the souvenir of the experience yeah Put those up. Did that for like a year, and my like my mom and my sister read it. Um, I, th- I found out later my sister was actually lying. It was really just my mom for <laughs> for a really long time, and then I, I actually traced down what actually happened, which I can go into if you want me to. But but the, a, a series of events happened that I didn't even know was happening. But when you said you were writing, like where were you putting these on a, my own personal website called Behavior Gap? Okay. So I named this original thing called Behavior Gap, and then I started putting these up. It was just a blog at the time. Okay. And then, uh, you know, there's some some things that happened behind the scenes that I didn't have any clue were happening. And then the New York Times sent an email, which I keep, I still have because nobody believes me. Um, <laughs> it was like, we, I love these. Would you try it for us? And I knew from that security guard experience to say <laughs> yes, right? Like I can do figure, anything. Fi- yeah, to say yes and figure it out later. So we started doing, um, we started with a week. It was just like, that was all, I didn't know. I, I, I had no clue that anything else would happen. But he, he just said, look, I'll find a question. I'll ask our readers for questions, money questions. I'll introduce you, ask for questions. I'll give you a question on at night. And then in the morning, I need 250 words. And he didn't know what to call them. He was like, and one of those things you draw. Right? <laughs> and so I would, I would stay up all night. Like, cause it was, you know, 250 words is hard. Yeah. Um, 2000 words is way easier. Yeah. So I'd stay up all night. Isn't that interesting though? It's oh, so true. Sure. No. Like, less is so much harder. Financial advice. That's like a tweet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, we've how am turned, I going to fit this all in there? Yeah. We've turned that into a, like a hallmark of the work we do now. It's like, we work, we'd love to say like, we work really hard to send you less. Yeah. Right. And so stay up all night, do the thing. You know, he'd post it, get comments. I remember after the very first one, I was like so excited. It was just a little individual solo financial planner with, you know, the only person who knew what I did was my father-in-law and he didn't really even know. Like, and then the New York Times, like, this will be amazing. I woke up, there's 21 comments. I was like, oh, I, and I thought, you know, being from Utah, I was like, oh, we're nice to people. Like, especially strangers. So I was like, oh, these are congratulatory letters. Like, this would be amazing. (laughs) I log in and they were just, just brutal. 
And so I called the editor and I was like, hey, if, if, um, if this is the way it's going to be, I have to be able to take the gloves off too. And he's like, Carl, it's an opinion piece. Like, do whatever you want. So we just got after it after that. So what was, was the fun. first one? Wow. It was a Venn diagram. Oh, that's a whole other story. The, the Venn diagram police write me these like two page long emails about why my things aren't Venn diagrams. So anyway, it's still, I, I call it a circle sketch now. I'm like, you know, I used to defend it. Like, this it is. And then finally I decided, yeah, you're right. It's a circle sketch. So anyway, it was a Venn. These are college educated people. I yeah. Imagine. These are Venn I've diagram. never heard of a Venn, a Venn diagram in my life, but. The I, Venn diagram police. So it's the two overlapping circles with the center. Oh, okay. That's a Venn yeah. diagram. Sweet. Yeah. And there's apparently people who feel like it's their job to. <laughs> of course. Come around and tell you why it's <laughs> oh, not. Oh, the internet. So it was, it was entertainment in one circle and investing in the other circle. And the overlap was labeled a bad idea. Right, so that was that was the very first one, okay. which was like, don't mix entertainment and investing. It's cheaper what, to go to movies. What was the question from that? Do you remember? I can't remember. It was some, maybe it was whatever the apocalypse do, or like the hot dot thing. Like today, the question would be crypto. Yeah, like, good. And you're like, okay, well, like maybe there's some merit there, but but don't get confused by something that's just entertaining. Sure. So I can't remember what it was, but I just remember being like, oh, this will be now. It'll be fun. So we did a week, and at the end of the week, I was like, hey, do you want to keep going? And my editor said, well, yeah, how often? I said, how about once a week? And he said, well, you run out of things to say. Yeah. I said, I don't, I don't know. You know, like if I run out of things to say about other people, I can just write about my own stupid mistakes. Yeah. And so then that went 10 years, you know, 10 years every wow. week. Yeah, every week. So when you said the gloves came off, what did you change? Oh, the next one. Yeah, see, this, <laughs> this gives me in trouble. Like, please keep in mind, anybody's listening to this. This was 10 years ago. We lived in different times. <laughs> Uh, it was t- t- 12 years ago now. So I, I, I did a, I did a three circle Venn diagram and look, I would change. I, I, okay. The three circle diagram. One was labeled sh- sheep. Another was labeled. Um, this is the problem. Like sheep. I can't remember what the sheep investors. Yeah. Sheep investors. And, the last one was labeled teenage girls. <laughs> and the overlap was lab- the overlap said because everybody is doing it, right? And the whole thing was like that's a bad reason. Now, I I look, I I actually do mean this. I have two three teenage daughters, four kids and three girls and three of them have been teenage daughters. One of them is now and I would never want them to feel any less capable of me. So I could have it would have been just fine if it just said teenagers, sure. right? But I saw my friends, my friends do really stupid things, but I never saw a whole group of them go to the bathroom together. You know, so like that, that's what I was trying to, that's what I was trying. I mean, way stupider than going to the bathroom together, surely. For sure. But never like all, so that's what I was trying to accomplish. That, that, that got me in. And it was like, if you, if you want to see, if you want an interesting experience, try making fun of teenage girls in the New York Times and see what happens to you in the comment section. Like that did my editor. I was like, dude, come on. And he's like, Carl, these are the ones I let in. You should see the ones I didn't let through. I was like, all right, it's fine. Yeah. Okay. While we're on that subject, let me tell you one last story about that. Okay. Because a couple years later, I made the mistake and we learned from this, the editorial team that works with me now, like we, we try to get really clear about anything that would be a distraction, but I made a mistake when I was talking about a remodel, um, which is funny because we're doing another one now, but the, I was like, my, my wife came home and said, Karen remodeled her kitchen. Boy, it looks great. And the whole point of the column was like, did I miss something? Because I, she said, Karen remodeled. And my answer to her was, we can't afford that. And my wife was like, 
what are you talking about? I said, Karen. And I said, I know, I know, but that means, and she's like, no, it doesn't. It means the whole column was about not listening to each other about money. But all the comments were about, why is it her kitchen? Like you male chauvinist pig, like just this like her, her. And I I tried to write back. I tried to respond to one. Like, I don't know. I chopped the wood. She takes care of the dishes. (laughs) But I I didn't. But that's what I did. I would call my editor again. I'm like, come on. He's like, Carl, seriously, you should have seen the ones I did let through. So anyway. So how did you? Wow. And I'm joking by the chop the wood thing, just to be clear. (laughs) Of course. Nobody in Park City chops their own wood. (laughs) We already know that. They hire people from Heber to do it. <laughs> um, how we did you? I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna. Do you have, do you have a name of somebody? Well, that'd be great. <laughs> our, 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 wood, our wood chopper just quit. We need, we, need new, we need a new a new wood chopper to go with the housekeeper. That'd be great. That'd be great. How did you learn or teach yourself to manage like the negative comments? Uh, it's a super good question. It, so this is one of those cute stories, right? Like, it, like, oh, it's so easy. No, it's not, man. Like, it was brutal. Yeah. I remember it brutal. Like, I didn't want to do it anymore. Was, and, and one lesson I learned. So a couple things. Number one, I had them remove comments. That's the easy way. I just had them take comments off. Okay. And Seth Godin had recently done the same thing. Okay. And, I, and I, I asked him why. And he was like, because I found myself writing to the comments. Yeah. And that will ruin your writing for sure. So he's like, I just took them off. Like nobody. And I was like, gosh, nobody's really benefiting from these either. Like, it wasn't like there was this, I can see there are places where the comment section could be really valuable. I actually, I have no clue where those places would be, but I, 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 <laughs> I don't know that they exist. Do they? Yeah. I don't know that no, they exist anymore. They don't. I think the idea was cute, but it just never really worked. So Online I comments, but I so I still, yeah. I still get a lot of them, right? Of like I wrote, I wrote one column, one longer story about our experience with our house in Vegas, there was 12,000 comments on Yahoo finance. So, right. So I still get them. So how do you deal with them? The way, the way I deal, the way I've learned to deal with them over time. And it still gets to me like the one, a couple weeks ago, even I was like, and it was a little closer to home. Like the, the snarky ones, I'm like, whatever. Right. But the ones where you're like, maybe misinterpreted, especially about an issue I care about, like maybe maybe around gender. Yeah. Like something that I really, really care about. And I'm like, oh, like somebody said something about not knowing the plight of single moms. And I was like, what? my mom was divorced when I was eight. Like I know the plight of single moms yeah. and money particularly. So that one was like, ah. So what I typically try to do is I make a quick distinction. Is this a thoughtful comment or not? If it's not thoughtful, I've given myself permission to just delete without further note. Like, I don't even just delete. Okay. Done. If it's unthoughtful, right? If it's clear somebody didn't read the book, right? If it's clear somebody didn't read the piece, if it's clear somebody didn't even eat at the restaurant, like just uh, just delete without any more thought. If it's thoughtful, I try, thoughtful and negative, thoughtful and critical, I try to treat it like gold. Like that's the, that's the model for the last 10 years. You treat it like gold. Like, like you cared enough to read this. That's amazing. And then you sent me this. Ne- and again, it's thoughtful, right? It's negative. It could be su- it could be scathing. But if 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 it was clear that they read it and the comment was thoughtful, then I could learn a lot. Like you pay money for that. Like who you hire people to give you that kind of feedback. Okay. So yeah, I would treat that like gold and actually either re and never defend those people. I would never say, well, you missed the point. I would just say, wow, could you tell me more? 
about that or, or just simply thank you, because that stuff makes the work way, way better. Way better. So much of the, like, the stuff in my new book is all stuff that I've written before, but we've then taken and really cleaned up because of the, that kind of feedback. Huh. So that's how I've dealt with it. So how do people, I would imagine, like, if you got a direct message back from the author, yeah, right? I would imagine your dukes would come down a little bit. Well, I'm untrollable. Yeah. <laughs> like un, because of like, well, I'm just saying. Like, do people respond very like, totally. oh wow, thanks for thanks totally. for totally. reaching out? And I imagine like doesn't even really matter what you say. Almost, it's like wow, this is kind of cool. Totally. Feel validated, it's, it's, you know? Yeah, yeah. Especially because I I try. You know, sometimes those are tricks, like passive aggressive tricks to like try to defend yourself. And I we really I I try to be really clear about. No, I'm going to take it on the chin and see what I can learn. Like, and, and part of this was, I, I can't remember who said, when you get negative things said about me, I, even if they're untrue, I try to find the, the offending behavior that could have generated that. Like, what's the one thing? Yeah. Like, even if it's 99% wrong, and there, is there one thing I could have about my behavior that generated? Because that, that gives me back control. Right, which is a really good feeling. So yeah, I even the most negative, nasty, mean people. If I don't do this for unthoughtful, like that's right. just a waste of time. But they have to make a ones. point. I mean, yeah, like, kind of make you kind of think about what you said. Yeah. Hey, have you ever thought of this? And even if I feel like they're wrong, like I'll reply and say I'd never thought of it that way. Um, Interesting. You know, and and by the way, that was not my intent at all. So the fact that you took it that way means I have work to do. Like that's a common thing I find myself saying. Or like, they have work to do. Well, it's no, I, like I can control my. <laughs> and so yeah, even there, like, dude, I've never had anybody reply. Yeah. Or thanks for the note. Or oh, the, people, some of those people become my biggest fans for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, they feel connection to you. And yeah, I mean, it's the same thing, I guess. Here, when you go out and just. So I go out and randomly just spend some time with people and talk to them and oh, for sure. throw them a t-shirt or something that's, you know, or you let them come in after clothes. Like, oh, Wolfie, just still come in. I mean, yeah. I mean, that, that goes a long, long way. For sure. And that's positive. There's not a lot of, because I would imagine in your position, it'd be very easy to do back to them because you seem like a pretty witty hmm. guy. You could probably tear some people apart <laughs> if you wanted to with your words, yeah. but but I mean, how cool that you're going the other direction and, and no, we have a, we have a rule internally. We have this thing called the code, which is the, sort of all of our operating procedures. Right. And one of the big first principles in the code is we're nice. Huh. Like in public, we're nice. I mean, we try to be nice in private, but like, but publicly just like never. Cause I, it's a selfish rule. This is family. Be, this is no for time. the work, this for is, the work. Okay. Yeah. Like any on Twitter, I'm nice. Wow. Because I, I found out that it, it's selfish. Like nice, mean is an expense. Nice is an investment. Huh. Right? Like it, if I'm mean, it's going to cost me time, energy, emotion. I, it's like those things are like swinging at a, a, a pinata dipped in honey. Right? There's no way you're going to get unattached quickly. And if instead I'm nice, like, hey, Thanks for that. I never thought of it that way. I really appreciate it. Or, or just not engaged. Another thing I realized is that on on many of the social media platforms, the people have to be following both of you. And this person with seventeen followers, right. nobody's like nobody's going to see it. And even if they have lots of followers, it's gone in the thread so fast that right. if I just ignore it, a I get all that time and energy back, 
and B, they go away. Yeah. So, but the nice part is like, look, just, and I, I have, I had somebody that like a couple months ago, try to troll me and he got really upset. That you wouldn't respond? No, he, he finally was like, geez, you're untrollable. And I'm like, yeah, it's because we're nice. Like I'm nice. Right. I love that though. What does it mean as an expense and nice as an investment? That's like yeah. the greatest marriage advice I've heard in like two weeks, <laughs> yeah. three weeks. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, you could apply that to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Cause mean is an expense. And I love that. It's, have you ever drawn that out? I haven't yet. That's a good idea. That would be a good one. Yeah. Cause, cause you're right. Like the emotions that come with being mean, like the consequences that come with being mean yeah. compared to what you get back for being nice. Like, yeah, it's brilliant. Sure. Wow. Yeah. There's a well, return. And the connotation that nice is an investment means your gratification is coming later. So you're not going to be nice and experience like maybe like an immediate right. re- well, reaction to it. You might. Multiple you might. You like nice com- the other thing I say a lot is nice compounds. Yeah. Right. For nice. sure. They both actually compound, but nice, nice has a positive compound. Yeah. Curve Even versus mean. <laughs> mean. So yeah, nice compounds. So as you were doing the column, was it ever hard to come up with content yeah, or okay. were they, were they giving you all of the no, questions? No, no, okay. that, that only went for a week. Okay. Yeah. That, <laughs> that, that, the questions were a week and then it was like, I had to come up with something all the time and it, it, um, and every column came with a sketch. Every column. Yeah. Yeah. So we just cataloged all the, I just hired somebody to catalog all the work. Yeah. And yeah, there's a, over a thousand sketches now. So the, yeah, every column, the sketches were sometimes the hard, sometimes the sketch came first. Okay. Like I was thinking about something. I was like, oh yeah. And then I would write something to, to explain it. But mostly it was write the column and then come up with a, an icon or a, you know, a simple drawing to, to describe it. Right. Yeah. It's and it like hard. writing songs. You know, there's so many. It's like, does the music come first or do the lyrics come first? Yeah, exactly. And I, I know everybody kind of does it their own way or opposite. And that's yeah. Fascinating. I wish there was a, any lesson out of that other than just like it, it ended up being, and I spend a lot of time now on kind of that creative process and doing work in public. So these topics, like how do you do work in public? How do you take a thing that you care deeply about and say, here, judge it, you know, like that, yeah. that's super intimate risk. And, and then also creativity, do a lot of sort of lecturing on creativity and the re cause I have no idea. Like I, I, I don't know. And it feels much more like a mule, you know, like I just do the work. Like there was never, ever, I mean, I had a Fujitsu snap scanner, right? Like there was no flatbed, there was no flatbed scanner with the thing and you fold it down. It was like Fujitsu snap scanner, a Sharpie and a pile of cardstock that I just would like, and like every Thursday morning, you know, cause it was like Thursday at 10, I had to send this thing in. I go in on Thursday morning and like, Oh, I got to write the column. And for, I don't know that we, I know there was years and years and years where we didn't miss one. Then there became like one year where we missed one or something for a vacation or something. But, um, yeah. And I always, and we can come back to it, but I always had this experience on Thursday morning around. I always had this experience around imposter syndrome. Like every Thursday morning, um, every week, Jeez. still, yeah. I'll tell the story now. Uh, I'm just. It used to be because I always look over my left shoulder whenever I think about this story. That's really funny. 
I would sit down at the desk he like did. this. He over I was his wondering what you were looking at. I, was I, I looked, looking at Ashley for good luck. <laughs> no, there was there was there was a door. My door was over my left shoulder. It was oh, like okay. I was sitting like this, and just right there was a door. And it was a glass, frosted glass, so you could see if there was somebody out there, but you couldn't make out who it was. Right. I'd sit down with the Fujitsu snap scanner on my right and a sharpie and cardstock, and just like ah, and I was in little Park City, Utah, in the hills, right. And looking out at a little stream, and I would do this, and there was no light coming. I mean, there was light, but there's no like music playing. I was just doing it, and it's like stupid. This is dumb. And then I would scan it, and I would hit as soon as I'd hit send, just about when I'd hit send to send it, I'd get this feeling over my left shoulder. And I would look over at the door, and I always envisioned this guy. So I, 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 you can personify. For those of you who don't like guys, you can personify imposter syndrome with any gender you would like. But I am a male, so I personified it with male. See how bad this is? So I look over my shoulder, and I, I was like, and there's always, remember, um, I have a bobblehead of him now. Somebody sent me a bobblehead of him. Um, uh, Homer Simpson's boss, Mr. Oh, yeah, Mr. Burns. Yeah. yeah. Mr. Burns. I have a bobblehead <laughs> of him that I keep on my shelf now because Justin Costelli sent me this bobblehead. Yeah. And I was like, Mr. Burns would be at the door. And he would open the door. He'd come through and be like, what's going on in here? Are you, is that a Fujitsu snap scanner? Like, are those Sharpies? Come on. Does the New York Times know you're in the hills in Utah? Of all places? Like, come on. And then he would be like, wait till they find out. That's the feeling I would get. And then one other version of it was a dream I'd have. Instead of doing that, he would come in and right on the wall, there was a giant, one of those railroad switch, like circuit breakers. Right. It said on and off, and it was in the on position. And above it, it was labeled Carl's career. <laughs> and he would just come in and he would look up at me and he'd grab this and go, ha, <laughs> ha, And just, Goo. That every Thursday. Jeez. And off. Yeah, and every, and then so what I decided was I I was so I was I had that experience, and then I was in when the speaking sort of like after a couple of years the book thing happened, and then another book, and then I went and started doing speaking engagements, and every single time speaking, I'd get the same feeling, like and I can feel it, like I know where it is, I know where Mr. Burns is, right? Like it's like just in my chest a little bit, and right before I'd go out to speak, same feeling. So then I was like, wait, if it's happening there it's happening speaking. I started trying to figure out like when else has this happened? And I started thinking through like every cool thing that's happened in my life. I mean, I remember that on my wedding day. I certainly remember it with birth of the first kid, all of the kids actually, mountain bike races, everything that may not work or I don't know what to do or is new and novel. Mr. Burns was there. That's why I personify. I was like, Mr. Burns is at all the cool parties. So what, then I was like, well, wait, why wouldn't I want Mr. Burns around more? Right? Like more. That's, an, that's an interesting question. Some so accountability. Then I, no. So then I started saying like, I'm going to design my life so that Mr. Burns is around often. Right. Like, uh, so if I don't go, if it's, it's like a couple of days now, like I'm like, it's sort of a Jones, right? Like a little addiction, like, oh, I need some Mr. Burns in my life. Because what it meant was like, you're about to do something cool and it may fail. Wow. Right. And by definition, something cool always might fail. Right. Yeah. Like, so, so that's how, that's how I dealt with imposter syndrome was like flipped it and said, no, that's actually, if I'm doing something that I feel like, and I'm finding 
the more I talk about imposter syndrome, the more I learn, like, it doesn't go away. No, it doesn't. As long as you're doing something new and novel, like, new and novel, by definition, you've never done it before, you're going to be scared. And that risk we talked about earlier, like, here, I made this thing. I hope you like it. Well, and to your point, the question was, like, wait till they find out, right? Yeah. It's almost like, wait till... So everything you do new, it's like, yeah, wait till they find out that you shouldn't be doing that. Yeah, you shouldn't. And 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 one of the some of the research behind imposter syndrome is like the more successful you get, the the more intense it becomes. And I think that's because you've got for like you're looking down, like, well, that's a long ways. Right? Like Expectation, if, expectations probably go higher. Yeah. If something wait, doesn't work here. Yeah, you have more to lose, right? Yeah. Like the book, this new book I'm doing, I mean, come on. Like I I I have no idea if it's gonna work. <laughs> and we're doing not and we're doing like none of it is normal like my eight anyway like people have, oh, seriously what like it doesn't have an isbn number it's not going to be on amazon like yeah. there's only a hundred people that can buy it you know like so I, I now i'm excited about that like it may not and i've learned that failure like that when you reframe it it's like we love su- failure in other areas of our lives we love surprise like you don't go to a movie if you know the whole plot yeah you know, you don't go to an art gallery. You don't go to a great new restaurant because you know exactly what you're going to get. And you call that surprise. And then if it's in business, some reason we call it uncertainty and failure. But in the rest of our life, well, you don't surf. Like I don't go on these big expeditions. I do because I know how I go precisely because I don't know. Yeah. And I think taking that same model in sort of, creative projects, if you will, or business is exactly like, I think that's why we get that backwards. Well, and I think hearing that kind of looking back over things, you know, as I've seen you do them, you know, doing things for lack of a better term, the untraditional way to kind of make yourself feel uncomfortable. But I think also what you try to do is make other people feel uncomfortable, right? You try to like bring Mr. Burns to them. Provoke a bit. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, yeah. Just because so much good happens on the other side of that, totally right. Yeah, like, yeah, it's yeah, it's super interesting. It seems like all good things live on the other side. Yeah, like f- of fear of some little element of, and I realize there are some fears, right? Like, I that's my other. I'm not a fan of the whole like kick fear in the teeth or no fear, <laughs> like because fear has kept me alive. Yeah. So that's sure. the same thing I think about Mr. Burns. I'm like, dude, uh, now when I see Mr. Burns, I'm like, oh, hey, brother, come in. Let's get to work. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, I'm glad you're back. Yeah. So, yeah, because I think everything lives, everything good lives on the other side of that. And I think when we forget that, we get all these, like, what is it? Most men are living lives of quiet desperation. I, that obviously, wasn't me, whoever that was. It was somebody yeah. who writes books for a living. Like, most men are living lives of quiet desperation. You just look around, like, zombie what am i doing is this all it's is this all it's for you're 50 and you wake up and like is this really what i signed up for no it means like we got to do something yeah right well there's that quote like that treasure you seek is in like the cave you fear to enter or whatever yeah whatever that is i don't know i just yeah. you're not growing you're dying that was nice yeah i like that one tony robbins like if you're not progressing if you're not learning if you're not challenging yourself you're just dying yeah and i mean that is kind of true so how did you do that then, like with the column? I mean, because I'll bet it's interesting that you fought that every single week, right? I mean, because you've been doing it for, well, you did it for 10 years. Yeah. And so the fact that you fought that and then you still recognize it, but how did you, like, if you weren't feeling him in the column, is that when you started like a different venture or would you challenge yourself in like, like in that week's column? 
Yeah, no, I mean, there were certainly some of the columns that I, like I did, like kind of felt safe, but I started expanding. Like it was only maybe three years before I was like, I can't write another thing about like money. Can we expand this? So we didn't really tell anybody, but it was like business life. Mm-hmm. Right. And money was just like the secret entry point. Yeah. Um, money was not the point. It was the, the sort of secret entry point. So I'd try and expand things a bit, try to say things that I, um, I loved asking questions that kind of got on the editorial teams, you know, like nerve. They'd be like, well, what's the, cause they always have a like, so what, like, what's the point is a question editors ask a lot. And I was like, no, the question is the point. Can we ask really interesting questions? Cause I don't have a lot of answers. I don't have any answers really. I just have, I just like to find really cool questions. So yeah, the column, try to expand that and then start creating stuff outside of that, which is really, I just started thinking of like art projects. Like what else could we do? How else could we do it? So how did you learn to transition a sketch on cardstock and a Sharpie into a business? Right? Yeah, like, so, like idea, concept, this yeah. creativeness into something tangible. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't until recently know we were doing that. Right. Like I, so I don't have a cute story. What ended up happening was we were in park. I remember being in park city on a Friday afternoon waiting to get my, yeah, I'm going to get plenty of stereotypical waiting to get my skis tuned <laughs> on a Friday afternoon. Was before the, or after picking up the, or getting the wood dropped off. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the, I saw a range over the other day that had the bumper sticker need less. <laughs> oh gosh. I was so it wasn't a 2015. No, the only thing the only thing the only thing that makes me more upset is all the guys sitting around in their vests up there now, the private equity vests. It's, vests. I can't take it. I can't. I mean, I was a vest wearer before. That's why I'm so upset. I'm like, give me my vest back, bro. Or Sundance and everyone's in black and give boots. My, yeah. So I was in Park City, the phone rings, it's a New York number. I'm like, I don't really want to answer, but I answer it and it was um, an editor at the publishing house portfolio. And she was like, look, I remember her name, Courtney. She was like, hey, I've read all your pieces. We've or- and I'm not lying. We've organ- I've organized them in chapters. I'd call in to see if you'd be willing to write a book for us. So that's how, that's how the book deal happened wow. with Penguin. Um, she organized them. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we didn't end up doing that, but okay. we ended up doing the book with Penguin. And there's a whole story behind that, like, it's sort of a manifesty story, which I'm not a fan of, but it, it, but the, the book with penguin was kind of an accident, the security guard, like, and so I'm a, it ends up. So I have to, I want to know about it though. Yeah. You can't say that. We need to know the manifesty story. Okay. So penguin, that's a pretty big deal. Years, years earlier. I remember Seth Godin was one of my favorite authors, favorite people really writes all, all of his books were with penguin and they have that little archer dude on the, Uh I had four of his books lined up on my credenza and I remember looking at the archer dude going, oh, that'd be cool. That's the end, right? Like there was no, there was no like, I would have never said I would like to write a book with portfolio. Not even close. I just remember thinking that archer dude's pretty cool. Okay. Right. Like, like if someday, if I ever wrote a book, that'd be cool. Like that kind of thing. Okay. So uh, just like I would have never had a goal to write for the newspaper. Yeah. Not that, Desert News, let alone the New York Times. Yeah, I was gonna say, is it? I don't think we should call it a newspaper. It's like the. <laughs> I mean, really, be, it was supposed the to be the newspaper, the paper yeah. of record. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, the, that's what they think of it. Anyway, I don't really want to get too deep in New York Times stuff here in Utah. So right, but I wrote for. I always have to clarify. I'm like, I wrote for the 
business section. I lived in mountains, <laughs> a long ways away. <laughs> so anyway, the the she called and I was like, yeah, I, I had been introduced to an agent. So I was like, I, but we couldn't get a proposal done because I hate writing st- stuff that doesn't matter. So proposals are like 50 pages long to get a good proposal. And I have a great agent who's a really good friend now. And I, so I told the person at Penguin, I was like, hey, I can't, I, yeah, that's funny. You should ask. I'm working with so-and-so. And she was like, oh, we're friend. Like she's a friend of the house is what she said. And I was like, oh, cool. Wait, I want to write a proposal. And she said, well, what if we just did what's called a preemptive offer? without a proposal. And I said, Hey, listen, I'm a kid from the Hills in Utah. I don't even know what those words mean. Like, why don't you just talk to, why don't you just talk to Christy? And so that's how the book happened. So once we had the book and then another book, right, I started to realize like, wait, there's a pile of stuff here. And, um, sorry, these are all so long winded, but like, they're such good questions. I had this experience. So you're asking about how to build a business around it. I had this experience where, Every couple of years, I forget about the, you know, those books, how to buy a hundred houses in a hundred days with no money oh, yeah. and your mother-in-law's credit card or something like those books. <laughs> yeah. I, I, every once in a while, I make the mistake of buying one at the, at, I forget what they say, which is just all stupid. And I buy one in the airport and I bought one and I was like, I flipped to the back and he bought 200 houses in New Zealand in, in a year or something. Flew to the back and they always have the pro forma back there, the pro formas of the houses. And they were like $25 positive cash flow after debt service or something. And I was like, man, I could take this pile of stuff. So I just was thinking properties, right? And I was like, well, wait, I have a bunch. We've always thought of ourselves as an intellectual property business. And by we, I just mean the whole team that works with me. So I'm like, what if we just cataloged all the intellectual property? So we built a huge database of everything I've ever written, everything I've ever said, every sketch, all of it cataloged inside Airtable by cat topic, right? Linked and cross-referenced, whatever. There's 8,000 points of data in there. And so then we were like, okay, what souvenirs? We stopped thinking about books and started thinking about artifacts. So it became artifact agnostic. It was like, I don't care if it's a podcast, a book, an online course. I don't care if we have to reinvent something. I don't care if it's a magazine we sell for $100. I don't care what it is. Let's figure out what the idea is. And then let's take the idea and match it to an artifact. Right. And that we'll think about that as a property. Thinking of the artifact as a property. As a property. Okay. And so then we came with the business model essentially is create intellectual property. So that's step number one. And I'd been doing that for 10 years. Yeah. Create intellectual property, retain ownership. It's step number two, retain ownership of the intellectual property. And we always have an asterisk unless somebody offers to do something stupid. And then number, th- number two, number three was create product around it, create an artifact around intellectual property, automated revenue streams around intellectual property. And number four is continuously improve. So like we just think about it as like property. So we buy a duplex, we buy a property. Oh, this would be a great duplex. Let's turn it into duplex. Let's paint it. So the team swoops in there. We do that. Then we automate it. We hand off collecting the rent and managing it to somebody else. And then every couple of years we go, hey, should it be painted again? Hey, should we, what else could we do? And so that's how the, that's how the, business became a business is that is a fascinating way intellectual property to look at stuff especially yeah. now with the world when you look at like nfts and it's got so much easier everything's gone you so know like on our again pure luck like there was no foresight sure it's just gotten easier to now you can create that kind of bit i mean it costs us nothing yeah 
like nothing to create properties. Like create that, create that asset, right? Yeah. So then we had a goal. We're like, what if we created 200 in a year? Now I can't get the team to like, it's too much work. I, and I don't even know about it all. That's the problem. I'm like, Oh, it can't be that hard. And they're like, seriously. So, but the idea of creating a button and, and I was like, wait, if we could create something that generated $50 a month net and it was automated and we created 200 of those, some of them are going to do way more. Yeah. And some of them are going to be total flops. So it became almost like a venture capital model. So we started thinking Prasada partners, the business that owns all the other stuff. I think of it as a venture capital firm that only invests in a micro, micro, micro venture capital firm that only invests in our own projects our own ideas. So that's kind of the model we built. Interesting. Yeah, it's been super fun. How did you start to kind of transition? Well, I guess you talked about it in the column. You started kind of branching out from like money and financial. But like all of this stuff we're talking about has nothing to do with the financial business, right? Yeah. Was I mean, was that something intentional? Was that something that just naturally happened? I just got asked a lot about it. Okay. Like, hey, how do you do that? I mean, I got asked, I mean, and I'm, I'm not very good at forward looking strategy. I've just have gotten way better at noticing tailwind. What does that mean? So no, like you do things. So there's a, somebody said that, um, it came up with this concept of increasing your luck surface area, which I love. Right. So just, I've called it historically, I've just called it playing in traffic. Right. So playing in traffic, doing lots of things. And, um, and then you do something and sometimes there's no tailwind or it may even be headwind. Like you think it's a really good idea. I'm going to do this. You sort of grit your teeth. You get the whole team behind you. You're working on it. It just feels hard and hard and hard. And no one's showing up. Like there's nothing, there's no energy showing up. There's no revenue showing up. There's no people showing up. And then other projects you do it and people start showing up. Like, and they show up in the form of questions or comments or, hey, I'm really interested in that. Tell me more about that. And so I've gotten better at noticing tailwind. So we're just trying to place bets and notice tailwind. And when the tailwind shows up, we say, hey, maybe we should do a little more of that. And it's never like, oh, we got a winner. Like, it's not that. Like, fish on. It's not that. It's just like, <laughs> it's just like oh, interesting. Let's try that again. And so that's how we start, sort of started figuring out what, projects to spend more time on um was just what sort of tailwind what what energy showed up behind them okay and and that's where the questions came from it was like i got asked to help a consulting company they were working on jet engines and they needed to know how to explain them and i was like i don't know anything about jet engines but i knew from my security guard background (laughs) to say yes and figure it out later so i was like well yeah i mean how could it be harder than a derivative to explain so i was like tell me about it tell me about it tell me about it and we reduced it down to something and i was like hold on what did they want you to explain them for to their clients so they were working with clients trying to figure out how to market or sell or explain something about the jet engine that they built or were involved in engineering and they're like could you come help us with that and i was like well i think this isn't about money i think it's about taking something complex and making it simple so let's try it right so then i was like oh people want to know about how to make things take things from complex to simple then people would ask all these questions about well how did you deal with negative comments oh interesting people ask about negative comments imposter syndrome that was the best column i ever wrote like the most popular column I ever wrote for the times was about imposter syndrome. 
oh, interesting. People want to hear more about that. So that's kind of how having do enough work, play in traffic long enough, and something's going to hit you. Just notice when you get hit. Interesting. So how did, because I think a big part, at least a big part of your story has been kind of you moving and living in different company, different countries and cultures. Yeah. Would you say that has impacted your writing and your ability to look at this stuff? Your ability to take the complex and make it simple because maybe having to deal with different countries and cultures or languages and find a way to live or be a part of that? Yeah. Yeah, certainly a lot of content came from it. Okay. You know, like the, um, but the other thing that really happened was from the business perspective, when you live in New Zealand, so we moved to New Zealand for what was supposed to be a year, it turned out to be four. Um, and we just got back. So four years in New Zealand, a year in London. And being in New Zealand, uh, you know, at that point, 50, 60% of my revenue for the business was speaking. And I did that for a year from New Zealand. And then I was like, I mean, not only is it a long ways, it was also like, I don't really want to leave anymore. I mean, I just, I was sort of like, no, I just want to stay here. So we had to be figure out new ways to take the, so that's when we shifted a lot of the stuff to online experience stuff, products, automated things that don't involve my, don't, uh, don't involve me after they're created. So that was one benefit of leaving. The other benefit was just the cultural, there's such a different culture, like, even New Zealand, right? English speaking. I mean, as it relates to money, one of my friends compares it to like every country has, you know, those, what do they call those where you adjust the treble and the bass? Oh. No. Equalizer? It is like, yeah. Amplifiers? It, it was like an etch sketch I was like, etch sketch like, <laughs> No, exactly. <laughs> I totally, yeah, I don't know why my brain went there. But yeah, equalizer? You don't say much, but when you do, I yeah. figured out to pay attention. Thank you. I <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. This is kind of his world. And I'm I like, I don't want to ask a dumb question. I have imposter syndrome right now. No, I like the etch sketch but reference. Thank you. Good. So, equal, <laughs> equalizer. Every country has equalizer set differently, right? right? Like it may be like, like somebody said, Italy, you know, it'd be like France, uh, sorry, it would be family, food, and football, right? So the emphasis is on different things. And um, when you, I mean, this is really, it's honestly true. The thing we've noticed the most about moving back was the volume so loud here that you can't even figure out what the equalizer's on, right? And the volume's money here. Like it's just so yeah. central. And I don't know, I, this move from collective solutions to individual solutions. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying this move from collective, you know, pensions to individual 401k, even beyond 401ks, right? Like healthcare, you know, all of those things. You lose your job here, pretty serious. You know what I mean? Like you lose your job in New Zealand, it's not so serious. And so that's an example of the cultural difference. I mean, we showed up at our, our, our son was, I can't remember what grade he was in when we moved over there, but we were used to getting, they have like power school all over the place here, Canvas, Canvas where you can get yeah. your kids scores every day, uh -huh. like a report card every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, you can yeah. like log in and yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah. we move over there. My and, life would have been a living hell if oh, that was real when I was a kid. unbelievable. Yeah, well, I'd say the same thing my kids did, which is that's never right. So <laughs> when, when, I, when, I, when, we get to, when we get to New Zealand, we didn't hear anything for like 60 days from the school. So I went. I was like, hey, what's the deal? My son's been here 60 days. I haven't gotten any. And he was like, the person just goes, are you from America? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And she goes, relax. We'll call you if there's ever a problem. 
right? Uh, and but, so that's another example. Oh, of like, I want to move there. <laughs> yeah. That's no another, news is good news. <laughs> so that's another example. Just like, yeah, it was different. And that generated content. Interesting. Thought, exposure, right? Where's the, the other thing that was hard was the cognitive dissonance of small things, right? Like driving on the other side of the road stores closing at six like what what do you mean you're closed you can't you're not allowed to close you know like where's the ketchup on the aisle and the like all the cognitive dissonance of that not cognitive dissonance cognitive load of those small little teeny decisions which is why most people don't leave there what was the uh, bi- what what was the because we talked about a couple of them was there one specific thing that stood out the most that yeah. was the hardest. Well, it's the hardest for me to unwind, which was just relax. It's going to be fine. New Zealand, they have a statement that it, 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 she'll be right is what they say to everything. Like she'll be right, mate. Like it'll it'll be <laughs> it'll be fine. Like it's fine. And I think they've had to deal with that because they're way out in the middle of nowhere. Like yeah. that and number number four bailing wire, which is sort of our version of duct tape, right? Like <laughs> oh, just use number four bailing wire, or whatever. Like because it's all you had left in the shed. <laughs> yeah. Between that and the, oh, we got to know the sort of all blacks sort of culture oh, yeah. pretty well over there because of, we just had some fortunate I- encounters with them and those things, right? Like the all blacks have this saying, um, nobody cleans up after the all blacks, right? Like that kind, like they clean, they call them the sheds, like the locker room of sheds, like we clean our own sheds. You know, like, so that sort of ethos of like, we'll do it ourselves and relax, everything will be fine. And if it won't be fine, what are you going to do anyway? You know, like that whole sense was super impactful. Yeah, really cool. So how do you bring it's that really back cool. with you? It's been hard. It's hard not because the volume's really high here. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Sure. I'm just saying it's, it's different. It the is what it is. Volume's really high here. And the volume is all seems to be like, and if I'm allowed to say it, like particularly here, right? Like we're a competitive group of people you know, here in the, in the Utah. Yeah. And, um, so I yeah. think it's a bad thing. I think it's both. I, I think, think it, there should be a balance there. Well, know, I was like, just waiting for the entry to say like, yeah, it's tough. It, mate. Like, it, I, don't I agree. I think, I think we could all benefit from a little bit more of like, there's nothing you can do. Like just go with the flow. Well, and what's chill it, out a little bit. What's it all for? Yeah. Like really, I, uh, a friend who, um, yeah, he's always saying like, "Are you for real? Like, look around." Yeah, I mean, look, the mountains, yeah. like your family. That, like, are you for, are you really upset right now? Yeah, because I turned in front of you. <laughs> yeah, or because we didn't like just just relax. And so that always in a hurry, always in a. And, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen other places, but even London. Like, we were in London for a year. It was an interesting year to be there, of course, during COVID. But but we were there for a couple months before, and nobody would call the pace of London like not chaotic, but there was a, a lack of static that Mm. like, and there was still like a sense of like, gosh, what am I doing this for? There was more questions being asked more like, is this really what we want to be doing? So how, I mean, it's interesting. It's hard to maybe at a large scale do anything. How do you keep that kind of focus with your family and your kids? Yeah. We're always taught. We're always like, I mean, forget about getting anything. So New Zealand, it's flip-flop, right? Like the, it's in the Southern Hemisphere. So summer is, you know, November, January, November, December, January, February is summer. You're not going to get anything done in summer. Like, right. like business, you're cl- 
afloat. Like we're at the beach, bro. Like that, <laughs> like that's just the way it is. Yeah. So we're always just like, could we just go away? Could we take time? Could we watch a movie together? Could we? And we don't do a great job of it, but we try to remember it. But it's so hard because you're just right back in the current. That was my wife's biggest fear. Was like we'd get right back in the in the current here. It's like phones. It's just oh, it's so. It's amazing how many people get mad at me for being bad with my phone when it's just like, can I just not care about my phone? Like, yeah, it doesn't make me a bad person. I just. Just because you can't get a hold of me the split second that you want to get a hold of me, like, is that really what our friendship's based on? Like, yeah. it, it, but to me, that is so indicative of everything else. Like, we're so used to getting what we want when we want it, when we need it, right now. And if you don't do that, you're you're out. You know, yeah, totally. and it's it's hard. I had a friend who I consider a really good friend, but we hadn't connected for like a decade. And I sent it, I was like, hey, man, we should really get together. And he sent me back a Calendarly link. <laughs> I was like, bro. Was like, it Andrew? You, you think you missed, like, <laughs> he's like, no, I would love to. Here's my Calendarly link. Schedule a slot. And I was like, bro, here's my number. Give me a call when you're available. <laughs> wow. And nobody can, like, we don't even, I, I have friends, who I, like, I won't schedule things because my kids could show up and say, hey, dad, let's go away for the weekend. So I've stopped scheduling things. Right. I've just been like, how about this? Text me when you're free. And if I'm free, we'll talk. And if I'm not, and I understand that's like imposing my way. I understand the like, and I have plenty of friends who are like, hey, man, if we want to do anything, it's six weeks out. All right, well. That's nuts. Yeah, that's that's a big difference. Like over there, you're just like, hey, let's meet at the coffee shop. And well, they call it have a cuppa, right? Like wh- whatever you want, a, a cup of hot chocolate, whatever you want to be drinking. Yeah. At the, but you're like, and you are there for an hour and a half. Like I really miss that. So yeah, the way we try to deal is we try to we're trying to create those experiences. Like invite people over with ingredients and make dinner together. Right? Like we were going to sit at the restaurant anyway, why don't we just make it together? Like yeah. and and just try to create more of those experiences. Spending more time down in southern Utah, like where things just slow down a bit. Especially like purposely getting to places where there's no Like this trip I was just on, I was with four very successful Draw hard charging people. When we went over her pass, I was like, "Hey, put your phones in the glove box because there's no service. There's no service, and your wallets and phones in the glove box. So I don't have. So I don't get back over there and you go. I lost my wallet. Like just <laughs> in there, but there's no service. We so much fun. Yeah. So anyway, that's the kind of so stuff. important to disconnect. Like yeah, that. We all say that, and we just don't. It's so well, hard. It's, to it's do. impossible. It's, it's so almost impossible. <laughs> That's why you need like forcing mechanisms. Yeah. Like you need like a desert that doesn't have service yeah. to make you. Yeah, so your friends won't get mad at you uh-huh. when you don't answer their phone. Like I was in the desert, uh-huh. or I was in Wyoming. Yeah, Wyoming is pretty good for that. Exactly. He- Heber. I, I was in Heber. True. Yeah. yeah. East side of Heber. Yeah. Yeah. That's out where the wood choppers live. <laughs> where the wood choppers with <laughs> their flannel, flannel shirts and <laughs> and uh, and axes and cut off jeans. Yeah. Yeah. I was funny. I was pickleball again in Heber. I actually like lost a point because I was staring at the leaves. Like it was such a good leaves year oh, like, for my fall. God. Silly. It <laughs> was and, silly. And it's that funny. It's like, dude, get in the game. I'm like, have you looked up there? Yeah. Like, like it's amazing. Yeah. And yeah. it's, but, but it's true. You just, we miss so much. Yeah. I mean, especially here where it's just kind of all around us and no, it's amazing. We just kind of lose it. So, but it's hard. Cause like you say, it's, 
it's almost like you can't, you have to like hop out of the current to have your time. And sometimes that's really, really hard here. You need to go somewhere where everyone's kind of in that same mode. You just have these remembering experiences. I remember that old Zen, there's an old Zen saying a story of like the um, two young fish are swimming around and the old fish comes up and says, Hey boys, how's the water or Hey girls, either way. Hey boys, how's the, how's the water? And the two young fish say, what water? Yep. Right, like that, like what's it's, and I would feel that when we would land in this little town we lived in, it's called Nelson, New Zealand. When I would land from being back here for a speaking engagement or whatever, I could feel Jeez. the decompression, just like just not literally the plane decompressing, but just actually just oh, like that. Sure. So yeah, I, I I wish we could get more of that. I think we've forgotten it. So why did you come back? Uh, we moved from New Zealand to so we have permanent residency now, so we can go back anytime. And we probably would have stayed, but my wife wanted to go to interior design school okay. and she got into an interior design school in London. So we went, she's now an interior designer and we went to London and then we left London kind of by accident. I mean, we came home for Christmas during the pandemic. All the kids were going to come there. Okay. And December was right when the big variant happened, the first variant and London was the hotspot of the first variant. So everything was shut down. So when it became clear that our kids, we were going to be, a family of six in a flat, two bedroom flat with nothing open. We're like, we canceled their trip. We got tested. We flew here. We just brought two, two weeks of clothes and there's food in the fridge in London. We fully plan on going back. But three days in, we were like, geez, COVID doesn't even, well, can I even say that word out loud? What, COVID? COVID doesn't even exist in Utah. This is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You almost can't say that word here. No, and I certainly can't say that. So, so anyway, we got here and we were like, wow, the kids. And so we didn't go back. We haven't been back. We had somebody pack up the flat and ship it all to us. So, so yeah, that's why we came back. I'm looking at pictures of Nelson, New Zealand. I don't know what the hell you were thinking. <laughs> uh, look up, look up Abel Tasman. Just like Abel Tasman. National is that Park. the national park? Yeah. Yeah. I just saw a picture. That was it. like, that was like our weekend. We would, wow. we would, we would hike out there Jeez. to a beach that you could only get to at low tide and set up a tent on the beach, right? Like national, one of national geographics, top 10 beaches in the world. And then the high tide would come in. You couldn't get out. Like there's no cell coverage. There's no, we'd catch fish in Kenna, these sea urchins and eat out there. And it was incredible. I mean, look at that. Yeah, it was, it was nuts. We'll, we'll be back. So our, our youngest, yes, we will. our youngest is 16. And she just said, I don't care where we move. She was like pointing at her eyes, like look me in the eyes. <laughs> I don't care. You guys pick where you, where we go, but we're staying there for two years. Wow. And we were like, fair enough. Fair enough. So, so she could finish high school. So as soon as those two years are up, we'll see what happens. Well, I'm looking forward to our retreat that we're going to do in New Zealand. Yeah. Me too. Should do it Good old sure. Nelson. Yeah. Enjoy well, a cuppa. They have, <laughs> they have no barbecue over there. So we should totally go. <laughs> I know. I was looking at this. It said smoke, the original smokehouse or something. I'm like, oh yeah, we've been but there. But that's not, it doesn't look like, oh, it's fish and chips. Fish and chips. Yeah. But yeah, yeah the, beautiful place. The the Maori um do what do they call them? The hangi where they bury the Oh yeah. Super it's good. pit barbecue. I mean Yeah, but it's a lot that's really bland. Well, and that's that's I the thing with pit barbecue. There's no smoke, right? Like they just it the meat's tender, but Yeah. It's it's barbecue without smoke. So yeah. it's it it can be pretty bland. Yeah. It was a super cool place though. Wow. Super cool. So what are I mean not to jump back into the current, but what are some things that you're working on now that get you excited? 
So, so we don't get depressed thinking about New Zealand. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll get uh, too, too late. <laughs> continuing, <laughs> like continuing to build the. So the first, I've, I'm now at the point where we've built a team, so that my job really is just to do the first step, which is continue to create intellectual property. Okay, and so we've systemized that whole thing. So now I have a daily, a daily po- a podcast I do every day. It's two to twelve minutes long, and it's just me. Which is a whole other concept. Like I, I love finding things where the flaw becomes the feature. So like the Sharpie drawings, that was because I didn't know how to use Adobe Illustrator. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> I, I tried. I tried. I downloaded it. said like three hours to download. And I was like, any software that takes three hours to download, I should not be touching. <laughs> so I was like, I'll just use the Sharpie. And so then every couple of years, I, I try to go back in, like I'll hire a designer and say, here, turn this into a graphically design and we'll put it up and people are like, no, bring back the Sharpie. So the flaw became the feature. So the podcast is the same way. Like I wanted to start a podcast and like, I don't want to deal with scheduling guests and like equipment and I don't want to be a pro. Like I just want to talk. And so I was like, well, I guess you can do that. And I, I'm a big fan of granting myself permission to <laughs> do sort of whatever I want. So I'm like... That's kind of like manifesting. It's not... It's kind of in the same ballpark. No, it's not at all. It's not at all. The, the last... I'm the least manifesting person. So, so I granted myself permission with my permission granting wand to just do like a solo show of just me talking and work hard to keep it short. So it's two to 12 minutes. It's every day. And so that now becomes the front end of, you know, downstream what's happening is there's other people who are really good at like, oh, what about that thing you said? Let's develop that a little bit. And let's add that to that and that and that. Oh, it turns out that would be really good in a small book. Okay, turn it into a book. Then there's another part of the team that knows how to create product and market them. So I'm really fired up about... You got business. an awesome content team that like uh, behind it's you. Amazing. Are- they just told me last week, two two weeks ago. So we did a launch last summer, and it was sort of our biggest, most important launch. And I realized it was scheduled right during an annual trip we take to Jackson Lake. And when I go to Jackson Lake to water ski, we just I'm not nobody's talking to me. And I was like, oh no. And the team said, no, we got it. Like it's fine. And it was the biggest launch we ever did, like the most successful launch we ever did. So when I got back, they said, hey, we have a crazy idea. What if you just stay on vacation? And I was like, hurt. Sound like good deeply. people. Those are good people. I was yeah. deeply offended at first, like really. And then I was like, wait, this is what we we're trying to create. So last week, two weeks ago, they said, hey, we're, we're 30 days away from, we want you to leave for six months and just do this monthly call. We have a, a, a membership group that we do every month. It's like if you can just be somewhere for 90 minutes a month for six. So I'm going to try, right? Like, so that's what I'm fired up about is creating that machine that actually allows that to happen. A business that's optimized for the happiness of the owner and the people who work there. Interesting. Right. Do they help with your social stuff? Cause you're pretty active and fun on Twitter. So, all the fun stuff is me. Okay. All the not fun stuff is them. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. The, and he walks back to a couple of resignations. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just kidding. They like what we've done. It's all my words. So we had a rule that like there's no. So it's it's. But there's so many. We've cataloged it all. Like we've got a now we've got a library of over a thousand tweets. Right. So we can take one of those and insert them. And nobody's. Right. You're not on Twitter twelve hours a day. Sure. Right. And the tweet I sent three years ago, you have no, if it's, so we work hard on evergreen stuff. There's very little like news. 
So announcements and stuff like that, they support all that. I, I often just will write tweets. So I record the podcast on my phone. I throw it into Dropbox and it's off. Yeah. Like they do the rest. Yep. But out of that, we create one to five tweets out of every episode. I do an episode every day. Those are my words, right? Somebody else just touched yeah. the keyboard. Yeah. So we do an episode every day times, let's just say an average of three tweets. You know, there's 900 tweets a year. So it's, it, yeah, it's, it's all my words. It's just other people t- touching the keyboard. And you'll see, like, there's nobody replies or pretends to be me. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. It's super fun. Super fun. Well, I'm excited to hear the one about the nice thing. Yeah. There's a there's episode. Mean is an expense. Nice is an investment. I think there's an episode called that. Oh, and the sub. So I cool. should tell you, it's a subscription podcast. So it's ten bucks a month. Yeah, which has been really, really, really fun to launch. Like, are you allowed to do that? I guess you are. So we have we, no advertisers, but it's ten dollars a month to get the podcast. Right. That's what. What are topics? Like, so who's listening? Uh, mainly people trying to. It's mainly f- I. I would imagine because I have a huge audience of, among people who happen entrepreneurs who have chosen financial services as the business. Yeah. But a lot of entrepreneurs, creators, artists, people just trying to do work in public. So someone who's listening, who should make sure they check it out? What's the name of it? Where do they find it? Behavior App Radio. Just go to behavioropradio.com and you can sign up there. And the best way to figure out if you even want to sign up is to just hang out on Twitter a bit. Okay. Twitter or Instagram. How do you still have imposter syndrome? I don't understand. You're so smart. Like successful. you're causing like, more right now. You're causing. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I walked in here and I was like, what am I going to talk to these guys? They got BYU things up on the wall. They, <laughs> there's not a single red thing in here. No crystals. No, so, no manifesting. No per- so funny to- story about that. No permission wands. <laughs> he was gone once. And so I had someone come be a co-host and she oh. knows oh. he hates the U of U because oh. obviously he's a BYU guy. I don't hate him that much because remember what I'm doing this weekend. That's true. So there's that. But she brought a big U of U flag and put it up on the wall behind her. I was pissed. And took a picture and sent it to him. In the middle of the podcast, power goes out. He turned the power off. How did you do that? An employee. I was was in line at Disneyland with my kids. You call an employee? I immediately called my employee and pressed an answer. He just pulled that switch? I was like, go to the break. Yeah, Mr. Burns, go back to the breaker box. And I'm like, he goes, I don't know which one. I'm like, flip them all then. I don't care. And it, yeah, it was probably you had to our, reset all your clock. Yeah. Like the whole, <laughs> but yeah, I just lights. It was one of our like right middle of the bigger guests we've ever had, and like right in the middle, both powers out. <laughs> dark in Com- here. No, like completely dark. The only we had There's the video. No the only thing you could see is my computer screen was lighting up my face, and then I got my phone. I was like, I'm just thinking, oh crap, Cam's not here. I don't know how to get the power back on. I have no idea what's. So I'm I walked Disney out, like, <laughs> and he's like, he's someone. Will, or Cam's, he wants to talk to you. I was like, oh crap. He thinks that I did something wrong. <laughs> and he's like, tell her to take that flag down or I'm not, tur- I'm not turning the power back. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, that's crazy. It was pretty- I was in a bad line too. Like for a stupid kid's ride that I was just grumpy. That's that was really, bad timing, but that's really good. Yeah. It was pretty fun. Yeah. It was good. I've we need more boys. of that. Just good fun. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the people were pretty cool about it, right? Yeah, I was yeah. a little worried about doing it because it was a bigger guest. and But I was like, you know, that's totally us. Like, we kind of do this. Yeah, It's funny, like, what you explained about New Zealand, that's kind of how we are. Like, we don't really have a very set format Yeah, a lot of guests like, will you send anything? us all the questions and what we're going to talk about? I'm like, no. 
We don't know what we're going to talk about. I think we need fun. We're just going to have a cuppa. Yeah, I like that. I'm going to start saying that for the rest of my life. We need to go on a walkabout. A walkabout, yeah. Uh, Their last guest. That's really funny. So do you have, last question about your podcast. I mean, it seems like your brain's just going all the time. Yeah. Is it just kind of like every day, it's like the thing that you've kind of latched on to that you're thinking about, or is it? planned out as far as what you're talking about or yeah. how, how do you it's really your- really complicated process <laughs> i i open my phone and in notes the notes app in the iphone i think this is always so funny we always are like how many time management books do we need to read right? yeah. you know what i mean before we just use a three by five card and a pencil but so i use the notes app in my phone and whenever i see an idea i mean i have trained myself i feel like i'm an idea hunter that's yeah. all that's wow. like i feel like what my job is so i just if i notice something i have an interesting like there will be seven from this conversation right all right so i'll just take notes in or audio uh, typically audio in the notes thing it's called podcast ideas crazy and then when i when it's time to when it's time when it's time to record the podcast i open my phone and i go to the podcast ideas folder and i find one and i do it wow and there's and there's 78 i just did episode 360 361 or something and there's 78 ideas in there right that you haven't touched yet yeah wow i don't i I think it gets easier for sure it's a muscle it's just a muscle yeah. Well, especially where you're just focusing for, like you said, two to 12 minutes. Yeah. I mean, something like you said, you know, the mean is an expense thing. Like That's an episode. Totally. For sure. That would fill that up really. I mean, you could probably go 45 minutes on that one, but yeah, yeah. man, very cool. Yeah. I like it. My pleasure. Super fun. Yeah. You told I feel like your podcast kind of is the New Zealand thing. That's kind of maybe your way of holding on to it because it's yeah. just kind of free. It sounds like it's free flowing and just yeah. you speak in your mind and you've definitely yeah. learned a lot and have a lot of experience yeah. to teach and i just think of it as like uh i have no advice so it's like shackleford's journal right like <laughs> hey if you're walking this way and you need water there's a spring on the left you know what i mean like i've noticed right. this thing if you if you're looking for shade that tree is pretty good right that's 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 what the that's how i think of no it it's advice, just, just giving directions series of series of field reports so yeah that's I mean I love it. That's a really cool way of saying I have a hell of a lot of experience. Listen to me. <laughs> yeah. You know no. what I mean? But I, I but I like it's just kind of the I don't know. I don't I don't know how to say this, but just kind of the way that you communicate is very kind of mm. there's a ton of intelligence there and a lot of wit there, but it it doesn't feel um do you know what it kind of reminds me of? It doesn't feel conceited. It doesn't feel like condescending. It it just feels like a really cool friend or family member just wanting to help you out. Yeah. Yeah, Does that make sense? I've been trying to be a life coach and here you are. (laughs) Certified. certified. Of course. (laughs) Do you know Richie Norton? Have you heard that name? Oh yeah. I not know that name. I I recognize the name. I feel like you guys are like totally on the same. So he lives in Hawaii and his whole thing is like you build your life and then you figure out which business will work around it. Yeah. Yeah, so like yeah. he works from his phone, like he just work travels forever. But yeah, like your guys' perspective on uh, business and life. Has he been a guest on the show? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll find that. What episode number? Don't know. Good question. Right. Rent. Okay. Just kidding. <laughs> but like he wrote a book like um, like Resumes Are Dead was one. And then, oh my gosh, I forgot his other book. It's really good. Anyways, yeah, yeah he's great. awesome. You're, you're yeah. cut from the same cloth for sure. Oh, that'd be fun. He talks a little more surfy. 
36. 36, okay. But Hawaii's on the list for two years from now when we, because we got to go back to someplace with an ocean. Yep. Yeah. And New Zealand's a long ways. Yeah. That's the only book. It is a that. long ways. Yeah. But I don't think I've ever met somebody from New Zealand I didn't like. You know what's funny is I sat next to two New Zealanders from, we'll just call them Kiwis, that's easier, yeah. but on a flight to Denver, and they were in America to go to a Broncos game because they're Broncos fans. Like, so random. Yeah. We have not stopped talking since. It's There's been 15 years. When they've been in U- they've come back to Utah twice. They always come in here and eat, and we hang out. Like Such I know their people. kids. Like, yeah. but we met for an hour on an airplane, and we've been friends for fifteen years. Yeah, I I, I, I haven't ever met anybody from New Zealand that I didn't like. It's crazy. And we met it's a lot so of people. Fun. Yeah, I work. I lived. I lived in part. Like I was a lifty and a groomer and all that yeah. for years. And I had roommates for four years. Like you always. It's like a running thing. Like if you're if you're a lifty or something, like you have a Kiwi or an Aussie roommate yeah, for sure because they just chase winter. You know? Yeah, for sure. So and they're fun and Super they drink good people a lot. <laughs> that, that is true. But they can handle it. Yeah, and they're a good time. Yeah, and their accents get chicks for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, thanks for coming. This oh, is a my blast. pleasure. Thank Super you. Thank you. Let's grab some Utah barbecue. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs> thank you.